The Dark Word is a podcast about writing, writers, and those who read those writers. The goal of this podcast is to focus on the profession of writing, whether it be the creative process, the business side of things, or simply offering advice on how to be a pro. We'll be hearing from some of the best in the business over the upcoming episodes. And true to our name, The Dark Word focuses on writers who tend to hang out in the shadowy side of the room. These are the names you think of when you hear horror, suspense, noir. The names who have chilled you and thrilled you. So follow me down this dark hallway, because there's someone I'm dying for you to meet. Dying for you to meet. Dying for you to meet. And welcome to The Dark Word. As always, I am your host, Philip Fricasi. I'm so glad you are joining us today. I'm thrilled to have one of my favorite new authors on the show today, Rachel Harrison. Rachel is the author of Such Sharp Teeth, Cackle, and The Return, which was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in a First Novel. Her short fiction has appeared in Guernica, I'm probably butchering that, Electric Literature's Recommended Reading as an Audible Original, and in her debut story collection, Bad Dolls. She lives in Western New York with her husband and their cat, Overlord. I also have cats, overlords. Rachel, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it because I want to hear, well, let me start with this first because I always like to start with with, with writers and ask them about their first publication and who 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 bought it, what was it, and um, and did you, have you taken anything from that first initial like experience and what was it like for you? So I was thinking about this and I'd published some like flash fiction around the internet, but I'm fairly certain the first work, like my first official, like I'm going to get a paycheck for this published work was for the return. Okay. So, um, yeah. kind of. So your novel, your first novel. Yeah. Yeah, And and so I want to get into that because it's, it's kind of a rarity that some, well, not, maybe it's not a rarity. It seems like a rarity to me, given the people that I know, but where you, your first novel is a big sale to a big buy press. Um, it does very well, which yours did, and it was well, well deserved. Um, but can you, can you sort of give us the backstory on, on not only selling the novel, but maybe a little bit for writers who might be listening as to how you got representation, how you took the novel out, and, and how it ended up, ended up uh, with Berkeley. So, I, it, it was lucky, so I might sound a little bit insufferable talking about it, but I did spend, so I studied screenwriting in college, and so um, coming out of that, it did take me a few years to work on my prose and kind of find my voice as a writer and my footing just working on my own. Um, I took two classes at Catapult in New York. Um, They have classes online too. I took classes that were focused on writing sentences to work on my prose. And over time I improved my writing and I started drafting novels. And The Return was the first book that after I drafted it, I was like, hmm, I think this is something. And I was getting ready to start querying. I had my query letter. Um, I'd been researching agents. And then there was a Twitter pitch contest 
that happened to be around the time that I started to query. Um, oh, interesting. Pit Dark, yeah. And I think I was a little skeptical. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, if, I sh- if it was serious or, you know, I thought, well, I want to do it the, the traditional way because that's the right way. And so it was like the day before the pitch contest and I kind of drafted some pitches for the return and I had some days off of work saved up and I was like, you know what, tomorrow's going to be a beautiful fall day. I'm going to take off. I'll do the Twitter pitch contest, whatever. We'll see what happens. And for like the first time in my life, I went into something with zero expectations. I really was like, eh, we'll see. Right. And the pitch did really, like I got a bunch of agent interest and like, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like out for a walk. I was having like my pumpkin spice, just like enjoying everything. And I looked down and I had all of these, um, likes from agents and I was like ah, and I ran back home and I made a spreadsheet and I started to send out my manuscript which um I don't think the Twitter pitch contest would have worked if I wasn't prepared like if you right. didn't have something that was you know you were confident that was ready then I don't think it would have worked but because I had the whole manuscript and was proud of where it was um I felt confident in sending it out and um, it was, it was convenient because I think the timing of pit dark in, in October, I think agents were kind of in the mood for something spooky. It was October, 2018. So the Hill house, um, the first season just came out on Netflix and everyone was super into it. And there was just the, you know, it was spooky season. And so I think that all worked in my favor as well. Um, because the agent I ended up going with, um, I, d- I didn't have her on my radar. I didn't even know that she represented horror. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think she was in the mood for horror and open to it. And so um, I had, a f- I talked to a few agents from after I sent them my pages um, and I met with, my agent, I lived in New York City at the time, and um, she'd sent me an email and was like, I, I would love to meet. And I also sent some of my stories, too, in my email to all of the agents. I said, P.S., you know, I write short fiction, too. And so if they asked for the stories that made me optimistic, like, right. okay, you're not just looking at the book, you're looking at my full body of work. Because I, I had some speculative short fiction. Which is interesting, because the you kind of think of agents, you don't really think of them being interested in short fiction. So that's fascinating that they would, that, that they would inquire big, about yeah, it. Yeah. That was a big green light for me where I was yeah. like, okay. Because uh-huh. that means they're interested in you as a writer, which is even a better thing than the, being interested right. in the novel. Yeah. Um, so I'll pause in the story just to say, I, <laughs> I'm anxiety incarnate. Like I always anticipate the worst case scenario. Sure. Um, but that said, I do think it's important for writers when you start seriously pursuing your career to really think about the best case scenario. What, what do you want your path to look like? What's your dream agent like? Who's your dream editor in case of an option? You know, who do you want to work with? What are you willing to compromise on and what are you not willing to compromise on? Um, Because I think at the beginning of your career, it doesn't feel like a two way street, right? But it is. 
it's it's kind of like it's kind of like dating in a way where you're like, are you a good fit for me? Are you a good match for me? Because right. You have to think about it in the long term. And had I not known what kind of agent I wanted and what I was looking for and what I wanted my career to look like in that with that stroke of luck that I got from the contest, the Twitter pitch contest or whatever, or I don't even know if it's called the contest, had I not been prepared, I don't think I would have, and things wouldn't have ended up as well as they turned out as well as they did because um, I, I knew when I met with my agent, I was in the city at the time, I think I got sidetracked, but I met with her in person and we got a drink and we talked for like two hours. And when wow. I left, back to it being like dating, I was like, she's the one. Like I just knew because I knew what questions to ask. And right. I knew what I was looking for and what I wanted to hear. And and like she gave me some really smart editorial notes on the return. And so because of that, like I was able to make a quick decision and be like, I don't need to keep looking. Like you're <laughs> you're it. Right. And then, um, <clears throat> there, uh, I worked. I took off another day of work, um, and I did worked on the edits for the return that she asked me to, and I turned it around, and then we took it out. And so, from the time the contest, the contest was like late October, and then by Thanksgiving, like the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, the book went to auction, and and it and it sold. So that's, that's amazing. That's insufferable. But let me yeah. just say, let me just say. I'm about to hang up the call right no, now well, because listen, that is. Listen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. The return came out the first week of lockdown. So it kind of <laughs> balances out, right? You know, my <laughs> right. debut first week of a pandemic. So, yeah. you know, try not to throw stones at me in the street. I, it came back around for me. The luck ran out. Yeah, but that's yeah, right. But so I want there's a couple of things I want to touch on. First of all, that's amazing, obviously. To and um, so you so you went from pitch in Oct- in October to to sale in November. Yes, that's unbelievable. But there's a couple of things I want to, and it's amazing, and congratulations, and well deserved. The book's amazing. <laughs> and I, so there's a couple of things I want to touch on. Though. The first thing is because I, I don't want to go backwards. Is I think because you talked about your screenwriting experience and I'm a, I've, I'm a screenwriter as well. And I think one of the things that might be interesting for writers is that you mentioned your pitch and, and I don't know I'm not putting words in your mouth so you can tell me what you did, but I think what's one, one very helpful tool that's in the screenwriter's toolbox is how to write a very clean, very short pitch for your screenplay, for your story, which basically what's called a log line in screen in screenwriting world, as you know. So I think it's interesting. And then there's a pitch which goes out to an agent, which is typically maybe like a couple paragraphs, maybe it's a little bit longer. But I think it's, an inter- it's, it's good to have that elevator pitch in hand too, which is like, like if you're tweeting it or whatever, it's like, here's a, you know, here's a 30 word pitch for my story. And I think if you, if, if you writers look up how to write a log line, I think it's a great way to learn how to synopsize your story in a very, very short window. I don't know. Do you know, is that the kind of pitch that you did when you're doing the pit dark contest or was it something more formal? No, it's basically that it's like, you know, in, in Hollywood, it's this meets that. And it was basically that I had to say <laughs> right. shining meets female friendship. That was my, my pitch. And I do think that's helpful in general, just, you know, to be able to summarize your work. I think if you can't, summarize your work concisely, right. then maybe you need to 
to think about like really boiling down what the story's about because yeah. um, I think it's helpful to explain it to others and I think it's helpful to you yourself to kind of know, you know, the heart of what you're working on. Yeah. And for writers, don't be afraid to comp your work. It's not a negative. It's a positive. And, you know, I think some people are like, oh, this is a totally original. You know, no one's ever read anything like it. It's like, I don't know if that's what people want to hear. Agents, at least, in the, I think they want to hear, at least on your first book or your first foray into the agent world, I think what they want to hear is, you know, it's this meets this because they can, so they can get their head around what, what it is very quickly, to your point. Like, I think My Boys in the Valley book, which sold to Nightfire and Orbit, was uh, Lord of the Flies meets The Exorcist. And that was kind of like, and I think it's actually on their, I think it's actually on their website. So, so yeah, so it's a good thing to have because they want readers to be able to quickly gather what the, what the book is about. Um, and then, and the pit dark thing, I, I think they just, I think they must do that annually because I think they just did it again recently or they're gearing up to do it again. I just remember seeing some tweets about it recently about the pit dark pitching. It's October go and May. Yeah. Oh, okay. So twice a year. Okay. Yeah. But so, you know, I, I think it's important <clears throat> to, you know, for me going in, if, if I had listened to my like skeptical, like I'm going to do it the traditional way and I don't know about this, it's new. If I had decided not to do it, then pff, I don't know where I'd be <laughs> right now. Yeah. So because think, cold, I mean, you're, you, you would have been cold querying by via email, right? I mean, yeah. And I would have never queried my agent. So, yeah. because I didn't, I didn't know that she'd be interested. And so I think it's to, to keep your, to keep an open mind, you really never know how you're going to find an agent. And, um, I think it's important also to, to shoot your shot. Um, cause mm -hmm. part of me was a little bit shy to like, I don't know, to like let my like very minimal Twitter following know, like oh, I have this book and you know. So it's vulnerable because then people ask about it. You know, <laughs> the question every writer hates is, how's writing going? And right. the question even worse than that is, you know, how's publishing going? When's your book coming out? <laughs> so, um, so had I not done that, I think it's important to, to step outside your comfort zone and shoot your shot because um, you really just never know. Yeah. And you made another interesting point, which was that you were ready for the agent you know, you were ready for them. You know, when you went out, you had the manuscript, you had a clean manuscript that you were happy with, you know, you had your pitch, you knew what the, you know, you could, you could talk um, about the book in a confident fashion. And I think that's important too. I don't, don't think you want to go out there with a query letter or a pit dark or whatever it is, but unless you're like, okay, this thing is ready to go. And, um, and I thought that was a really important point that you brought up. And the agent thing is interesting because I believe the same way because I think when you're new and when you get that first agent break, to your point, it feels very much like a one-way street because you're like, you feel beholden to them, right? Like, oh my God, you, you, you know, you took me on, thank, you know, and you're kind of bowing as you go out the door. But I think it, the reality is it is a two-way street and, um, and you need to find that right relationship. I'm on my third agent and uh, you know, I've had now for three years and who I adore and we get along very well. And it's definitely a lot of communication at the two-way street. But my first agent wasn't very nice to me, frankly. And he wanted to make my book something that it, I didn't want it to be. And it was a hard decision to make because it was my, I was like, I'm, I might never get another crack at this. I might never get another crack at having an agent, but I had to like, you know, part ways with, with them. Um, but it ended up being the, 
the right decision. So I'm glad it makes me very happy to hear that you kind of nailed it on the first try and the fact that she was willing to like, let's meet and let's hear your editorial notes on the book is amazing. And the fact that she got it read and bought that fast speaks a lot of to her abilities as well, because it's hard to get a lot of times it's hard to get editors to read a debut book, you know, even if it's an agent that's well known. Yeah, I got I got very lucky. And also on the on the subject of the two way street, I think it's at every single at every single level, because then when I mean, I was lucky enough that a few editors were interested. Um, And one of the editors I spoke to was like, I was very interested in like a very minor subplot about um, Julie's husband, Tristan, and the protagonist is protagonist is (laughs) the protagonist Elise's interest in Tristan and this editor was like I think you need to like really dial up the love triangle triangle Mm. angle love triangle angle I'm just a poet um and I was like that's not what this book is about and the antithesis of the point of all (laughs) I'm trying to make in this book and it felt icky and I was like okay well if this was the only editor who was interested, what what would I do? Would right. I say okay, just to have the book be published and accept and kind of push my integrity to the side? Um, so I think that's an important question to ask. And also, um, I was talking to uh, directors who were interested in optioning the return, and they said <laughs> it was a it was a call. And at some point in the call, they were like, how would you feel? Oh, God. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert if you haven't read it. How would you right. feel about killing Molly and May? And I was like, and the whole call just went silent. Yeah. For like a minute. And I was just like, I, it's like my dream to have an adaptation. But again, it just was not like, I was like, you don't care about the book the way I care about the book you don't feel the way about the book that I feel about it. And so you have to like, obviously, and again, I'm talking about like best case scenarios for me that, you know, in September, 2018, I could never fathom, but you have to make these hard decisions because, you know, this is, you get one shot at everything in your, in terms of like, if I said, okay, kill, (laughs) kill Molly and May. Right. Then I, if people watched the movie and didn't like it, then that's something that you have to stand behind. And so I think it's important to, you know, you have to make these decisions and you have a moment to make these decisions to be prepared and know where you draw the line in a dream scenario. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. And and to your first point about the editor having those notes, that's where having a great relationship with your agent is golden because you can go to your agent and say, what do you think? And if they're like, look, this is your last shot, (laughs) you know, it's, 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 it's here or nowhere. Then maybe that becomes a more difficult decision. If they're like, look, we've got interest. It's out there. Like, let's wait and see what happens. Like that's where it's good to have that relationship because then it gives you a little more like, okay, well, I'm not comfortable with this. So I'm going to, so, you know, but it sounds like we have other potential options. So maybe we just hold off. And the other thing I was going to say, a question for you, um, we talked, you were talking about the option and, um, so at this point, does your agent currently represent you for both lit and for film TV? 
or do you have two different agents or do you have an agent and a manager? What's your like, what's your team structure? I have my agent and then um, they work with an agent uh, who like a part of the, she partners with another agent to do gotcha, the right. TV stuff. Yeah. Which is, which is very common, which is the same setup with my agency. Although I have my own film agent, but they have that with, they have a someone they partner with. Exactly. Um, and so whatever happened with the option, did you ever find a home for it? Or is it not announced? Can we not talk about it? Uh, I did. And then that option ran out. Right. So right now it's, it's not under option, but I'm okay with that because like, I'm not kicking myself because I, I, I would rather have it done with somebody I like and have faith that the product is going to be good right. than just sell it and then slaughter my, my precious characters for the sake <laughs> of having it done. Right. So, I mean, and again, like, I don't want to sound insufferable because these are all like really dream scenarios, but I think it's important when you're starting out writing to really think about what you want your career to look like. And, um, and if you're trying to pursue it in a, as a profession and, and do it for a living to know, you know, where you, where you draw the line and what you feel good about. And cause at the end of the day, it's your, it's your work. Right. Yeah. And you don't need to feel bad about standing up for yourself and you don't need to feel bad about standing up for your art. I mean, there's like, it's, it's not, and if, and the reality is if, if you're in a situation where you stand up for your art and you get shot down or then the reality is it probably isn't a good situation for you anyway. And I will say this, I think it's for me personally, I'm speaking from, you know, I've had, I've had four or five short stories optioned. I have, I haven't, I don't even have a novel out, so I haven't had a novel option yet, but I do have a novel and oh, no, that's not true. I do have a novel option, but the, um, they're different. I just read the, pilot. Oh, I just read the pilot script for it. Yeah. So I'm like, what am I talking that's about? Amazing. Yeah. But anyway, but, the, but my, yeah, I know I'm a dude. <laughs> the amount of things I have in my head, but so the, but the, but the point is that I think what I was going to make was I think for short stories personally, I'm a lot more flexible with, yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't care. Like if you want to, you know what I mean? For me personally, if you want to do that, if you want to change it a little bit and you're going to pay me some money and it's like a story I wrote in a weekend, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like put up block blockades, but for a novel, I would imagine it's much more personal at least and it was to me as well, because it's like, no, this was like, this was like a thing that I've invested in like a lot of time, a lot of effort, you know, this characters, I, you know, I've lived with these characters for a year two or years. And so I just, I imagine that you, one might be more, you know, apt to stand firm on a novel versus a short story, at least for me. I don't know. Do you agree? Is that, have you had a story option conversation? No, <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, but I think, I think there's also like, for me, it's not so much about the, how much time I put into it or, cause I, I mean, for me, I, I, my stories are just as precious to me. Um, right. but it's kind of about, um, there's a little, maybe I feel a little bit of pressure because I don't, as a, like a, I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding obnoxious, but as a woman writing horror, right. I feel like I don't want something that I create to be taken and turned into like a catty love triangle or turn it into, we're going to kill women on screen. 
Like, you know, I just... No, I understand that's, that 100%. I think that's where... Um, and those were the two things that I was like, I don't know if I could be okay with this. Um, right. So I think for, for me and for any writer, I think you need to, like, why are you doing what you do? <laughs> and if somebody is changing that, and if you feel you're compromising, like, the whole reason you create, then I think it's, you need to feel confident in putting your foot down and protecting your work and protecting your art. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, you, you feel so grateful just to have the opportunity right. that you might say, eh, screw it, <laughs> and then maybe regret it. So I just, and it's hard to be prepared for these scenarios that you can't even really fathom when you're starting out. Um, but those, I mean, for me, those were the moments in my career so far that I've been proud of, especially because I do not like to stand up for myself. Like every email I send is like, hi, sorry to bother you. Sorry I exist. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's hard to do for me to say no. But I think in, in as a writer, knowing when to say no is just as important as knowing when to say yes. Yeah. And you hit on some points that I a hundred percent agree with. And I, it was more, my thinking was more like, Oh, they want to change like the a plot point that has nothing really, you know, that mm -hmm. wasn't really about the characters, but I, I don't care. I'm yeah, a hundred percent creative Liberty. I don't want to <clears throat> to my own. God, no, though I have a screenwriting background because I want to see it transformed into something cool. But right. it's like those. But it's trusting that artist or that, per that entity, right. right. It's feeling good about it. Uh, yeah, screen. If you it's screen people with a screenwriting background never want to write a screenplay because we know how awful it is. Um, <laughs> as I say, this is I'm actually writing a screenplay right now. But um, the okay. And then I want to talk about something. This is and this is a this is a, a sort of personal too. I want to know about to me. I mean, is that so? You sold the return to Berkeley on the, in, at an auction, which is great, amazing. And then was it a two book deal at the time? It wasn't. Okay, um, but I think they had a lot of faith and were really excited about it. And mm -hmm. I, I was approached by another company, the other uh, company that did end up optioning the return um, back in in 2019, 20, yeah, 2019. Um, they had been interested in me working on some IP they had, and I think. Uh, Berkeley was like, thought, I think in, in any industry, anybody gets a whiff that they think you might be successful. They're like, oh, right. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, come here. So, yeah, that's our friend. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, they were like, we feel better about you doing other things if you were under option for, or if we had book two. So that's when I wrote um, the draft of, of Cackle and it, I, the deal was made in February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and luckily I worked in <clears throat> contracts at public at Penguin Random House. Um, and so I kind of knew, you know, the deal was done, but you don't get the contract for another few months. And so I wasn't panicking about 
the contract not being signed because I know how publishing works, but. Yeah. And that's actually a good point is that, um, well, yeah, once you sell a book, a lot of times, at least like, you know, for example, with, with my book, Nightfire book, they announced, we announced the deal once we'd agreed in principle to the business points. And then it was like, I think it was like over two months until we actually got, got the contract from Macmillan. So, yeah. so a lot of times the contract takes a long time and, and writers shouldn't worry about that. It's, it's once the, it's the business point you want to get nailed down and once that's kind of done and then, okay. So you did, you did, um, return, you did cackle and then you did such sharp teeth all with Berkeley, right? The new yeah. ones with Berkeley too. And such sharp teeth was a two. <clears throat> oh, so that's a new two book. So you get, so you did the first two on one book deals and then, and then sh such sharp teeth. This kills me every time, uh, is, uh, is the first book of a two book deal. Is that right? Yeah. So as I said, I, I'm a very anxious person. So um, when the return was on submission, I was like, can we do a two book deal? So and yeah. also when um, I, I had a day job for the return and cackle and then, you know, pandemic related, I no longer had a day job. And so I was like, uh, can we do a two book deal? So I can yeah. stop sweating profusely every night. <laughs> Worried. But, uh, yeah, because you get a little bit of you get a little bit of scratch up front for the second book, which is nice. Just, you know that, you yeah, know, you it's it's back to back and um, right. there's a little bit more security, uh, and it's with the same editor and my whole team there is great, so um, it felt good to secure for a little bit into the future. And this is what I wanted to ask about that. So the two book deal, um, and I, I watched an interview with you and uh, CJ Cook. Is oh, that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was I was doing my, my diligence. And and I thought it was really interesting because I got a two book deal. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be like me, me, me. I'm, but I'm saying because no, I think I it's interesting for readers okay. or writers is, so I got a two book deal and I'm like, and I said, the second book was like, here are two complete novels and here's a pitch. You know, and of course, we all know how it goes. They took the pitch. So, for me, also kind of an anxious guy, I'm like feeling this will be the first time I've had to write a novel under contract. And it's it's for me, it's a lot of pressure. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> because I'm like, it has to be great. It doesn't like I can't just be like, oh, and I'm just gonna write this and this is so much fun and life is wonderful. I can just do whatever I want. Nobody cares. It's like, oh, now they've paid me for the book. The book is has a date, release date, you know, with in the UK and the US, and I haven't written a word. Yeah, it was and it's freaking me out, and I'm wondering how you deal with that. And you had a very nice answer. You had a very like, "Hey, man, it's under control. I don't worry about that stuff." But I'm wondering if that's reality, or do you feel like that pressure from that second for that second book? Oh yeah, <clears throat> did, I, did I say I didn't? Maybe I did said I didn't feel pressure because I hadn't started it yet. But I don't know if you had done such sharp teeth at that point. I think, I think it might have been promoting cackle. Maybe that's why. I did. Sharp yeah. Teeth was in the bag at that point. Right. Um, yeah, you're feeling Well, not good. in the bag. It was, um, I think, maybe I hadn't gotten my edits yet, so I was like, <laughs> Right, but the deal it. was made, yeah. Yeah, the deal was made. But I think <clears throat> I definitely had uh, this parachute as a knapsack moment when I started um, writing book four. Right. Um, because you trade one anxiety for another, the anxiety of, am I going to sell another book? Am I going to be able to pay my bills at this point? Cause I, um, 
you know, through the pandemic, I don't have another gig at the moment. Um, so I'm uh, just writing. And right. so, so there's that, but I'm also not really great at working from an outline. Um, Interesting. And having to say, you know, this is what it's going to be about. And I've committed to this. I'm kind of a, like, I'm very character first. I find the character, I find the voice, I find the concept. And I, I write pretty fast, but I mm -hmm. also abandon projects. So I've written, like gotten 30,000 words into something and been like, not you and moved on mm. until I am working on something where it feels right and it clicks. So to be working on something and have it not like working from an outline, it didn't feel fun anymore. Right. And, um, so I, I struggled a bit with the draft of book four. Um, mm -hmm. So I have one now that I'm happy with, but it was not easy. And I think because I was able to like write a bad draft from the outline and kind of um, come back from that and rewrite it and turn it into something that I'm happy with, it made me feel, <laughs> it was a big sigh of relief. I don't think anything is too far gone if you really mm -hmm. like commit to to why you came up with the concept in the first place and what excited you about it. Right. Um, sometimes you have to strip it back and go back to basics and worry a little bit less about like, okay, well, I turned in this outline. I should hit it beat by beat. Um, I, I, yeah. I, and with the first book, if it was your first book with that publisher, you might not, it might be even more pressure not to stray from the outline. Cause you yeah. probably, you probably have a little leeway now because you've had three successful books, which gives you a lot of leeway. But a lot of times when you're, when you're a new writer and you're submitting an outline, a beat for beat outline, like that's it. Like that's the outline. Like you can't, if you, you know, that's what the publisher is expecting to see when the book comes in. So, um, so at least hopefully you had a little bit of leverage and were able to change some things that you wanted to change if you wanted to. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think it's Give me on the call. Give me on the call. I'll take care of it. I'll talk to him. <clears throat> uh, I just think it's important for every writer works different. And yeah. So, like I'm a big outliner, huge, yes. huge outliner. And I think knowing what works for you and mm -hmm. also, um, you know, I think it's also an endurance game. And if something doesn't work for you, knowing, you know, how to move on or not getting too bogged down in the, you know, the fact that it's not working and just, you know, being like, okay, how do I figure this out? And, you know, I think not comparing yourself to other people and just finding the joy in it mm -hmm. is kind of the best way to, to write. It's yeah, it sounds like you like to really. It sounds like you like to really cut loose on what Anna Mott would call the downdraft, right? Like that first draft, and then oh, yeah. you kind of like spend the time really finessing it on on the on the edits. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, I'm, <clears throat> again, I get it's what I call a vomit draft, by the way. But I downdraft <laughs> is a nicer way to put it. Um, yeah, I I usually just write fast, and and I if I get into the character because I write mm -hmm. first person. Um, oh, interesting. And I'm gold. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like acting for me where I'm, I like get into character and I'm in the voice. And then from there things come. If, if I come up with a character I like and I'm feeling the voice 
and the concept is good, then I can, then I'm off to the races. Um, mm -hmm. but, and then I can get a downdraft and then go back later and edit. And my editor is amazing and, um, often can see things that I can't, um, and both the return didn't change too much, but, mm -hmm. um, both cackle <coughs> and such sharp teeth went, uh, went under pretty, pretty crazy edits. So oh, really uh, interesting. They're, they're, they're way better for it. Um, cackle doesn't read that way at all. Really. It's, it's very seamlessly. No, that's, that's good. It's, it definitely, I'm trying to think of, it changed a lot. It changed mm -hmm. a lot, but, uh, I mean, all the, the basics were the same. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so I am a bit of a, a vomiter, I guess. A vomit drafter. Yeah, I love it too. I, but I, I'm a, but I always have to outline, I'm crazy about outlining it. I don't know if it's my screenwriting experience or what, but I, I have to, I get, I use Scrivener and I do like um, like a 60 point outline chapter by chapter. Cause I just want, I just want to know where I'm going. And I just, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not really, but I think writing in first person is interesting because while there are limitations, obvious limitations to writing in first person, it's such a comfortable way to write. Cause to your point, you can invest in the character and the voice and you can just kind of like go, it's, it's a beautiful, it's such a beautiful way to write a book. And, um, uh, you know, versus, you know, omniscient where you kind of, I have to describe everybody and whatever, everything is going on. Um, we're unfortunately out of time. So before we go, I want to just ask very quickly. Um, I know you're a big Shirley Jackson fan. I know you're a big Amy Hempel fan. I actually ordered Amy Hempel's short stories because of you. I heard you talking about her. Uh, and I, and I went, I, yeah, I read one. I went online and read one that was online and then I bought her books. I was like, Oh, this is great. Um, but what's a book that you would recommend for writers? And it could be from your screenwriting experience or it can be from your pr prose writing experience. What's a book that do you have like a go-to um, inspirational book or technical book that you use that you would recommend for writers to have on their desk? I actually usually just pick up Amy Hempel and will read one of her stories if I'm feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. um, I think when, when I was in that sentence writing class that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. it changed how I saw all writing. And if I'm struggling to get going, nothing excites me or inspires me more than reading a beautiful sentence. Mm -hmm. um, and so usually I'll pick up a book on on my shelf, usually Amy Hempel, sometimes a poetry book. Yeah, I read a lot of poetry, read. yeah. And that is so inspiring to me. And again, every writer is different. So finding, if outline works for you, if outlining works for you, great. If it doesn't, don't do it. If, you know, reading... Um, you know, Light the Dark, which is another great writing-based book, works for you and gets you into it. Or if just, you know, reading a single line of poetry gets you, but whatever, I think the hardest part about writing is finding out what works for you. And once you find out what works for you, and it's, so it's not just like you find out what works for you and you move on. I think it's a constant, um, you know, development. I think that's really the key to, to writing, at least for me, it's been, um, just figuring out using your own intuition and um, finding out what excites you and what gets you down, gets you at the keyboard, gets you at the desk. Yeah, absolutely. Get you, get you energized. Exactly. Um, well, listen, this has been amazing. We are a little bit over, so I'm going to have to say goodbye, but I want to say thank you so much for being here. I know you have such sharp teeth is coming out uh, in October. Is that correct? October yes. 22. Okay. October 4th. Okay. So they'd be right around when this airs, I think. So that's good. And then you also have a short story, collection coming out bad dolls which is going to be ebook and audiobook correct 
Yeah, audiobook is out September 6th, and then the ebook is out uh, December 6th. Awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, Rachel, for, for being here and for all the amazing advice. I'm sure everyone uh, is very appreciative who's listening, and, uh, and I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful. That oh, was great. All right, and for you guys listening, once again, uh, this is Philip Fracassi. I'm so glad you joined us today. And until next time, on the dark word. Hey, guys, it's Philip again. I wanted to let you know that you can buy any of the books discussed on The Dark Word at The Book House, which is Book and Film Globe's independent bookstore. Go to thebookhousemilburn.com, that's M-I-L-L-B-U-R-N.com to shop online and support small independent booksellers. Or visit the actual store in Milburn, New Jersey, where you can buy books from all the authors we feature here on The Dark Word or at the Book and Film Globe podcasts. Audio Hopper.